Welcome to Dietitians Uncorked, a podcast hosted by Kat and Kelly, two registered dietitians who co-founded Nutriving, a virtual nutrition practice. We talk all things food, nutrition, life, and of course, wine. This is a judgment-free zone where all foods fit and all bodies are welcome. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to all our lovely listeners. We have an awesome episode coming at you today, inspired by another recent podcast that Kat actually sent to me, and she insisted I listen to it, and I listened to her, and I am so glad because it was really insightful. Like, it was such a good listen. So we are going to dive into that today and how it affects food and nutrition and how it really applies to what we do and the work that we do with our clients. So really great episode coming your way. As always, before we dive into that, Kat, what are you drinking today? Ooh, I'm excited. Uh, This bottle was just like a purchase at a uh, restaurant uh, where they were selling some like funky Chilean wines and I had to grab it. It's called País Viejo and um, it's from Bouchon's uh, Vineyard here in Chile, and um, d- delicious, super bright, uh, very flavorful, very fruity, like um, strawberries and plums and cherries. It's it's a delicious blend. I wouldn't even be able to tell you what kinds of wines are in here. It's, it's meant to be funky, but it's a delicious, delicious wine. That sounds lovely. Well, I am also, I love when we have good wine days. We Typically, they're good, you know. We obviously want to share wines that we enjoy with our listeners. Today, I have a good old cab. So it's from Smith & Hook. Uh, That's the company. And it's a cab. It's just kind of your, you know, standard cab. Very bold. It has a lot of notes of, like, kind of oak and chocolate and berries. Just, like, really, you know, high tannin concentration. Really dry. Exactly what you and I love. So, Good day to be a wine drinker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to do a little plug-in here. We are accepting one-on-one clients. We have some openings. So if that's something you are looking to uh, do, if you've been thinking about it, now is the time. We are also working on a group project. Um, group project? <laughs> group service. <laughs> um, we have our waiting list open. So that should be coming out really soon. And uh, let's uh, let's dive into this podcast episode, shall we? Let's. I take Kat's podcast recommendations very seriously. So anytime she tells me to listen to something, <laughs> I'm pretty much listening that very day, which is what happened with this episode. So this is really fresh in our minds. So Kat, how about you tell our lovely listeners what, yes. what we just listened to? Yeah, I feel like we're shooting ourselves in the foot because this is a great podcast. And I feel like if I'm recommending people other podcasts, I'm not sure they're going to stick with us. But stick with us because we have a unique perspective that relates to food. So um, I don't know if any anybody, any of our listeners are an Ezra Klein podcast fan or just an Ezra Klein fan. Um, if you are... DM me, we'll be best friends. I already know what kind of person you are, and we're going to get along so well. 
Um, this podcast is one of the most insightful, creative, uh, gosh, I could say so much about it, but there is a um, conversation that really kind of sent me to think about um, how we think about food and nutrition for, I don't know, like 48 hours of just straight <laughs> thinking about what was said on that podcast. And I had to get Kelly to listen to it because I had to talk to somebody about <laughs> it. Um, so anyway, the, the podcast episode is the Ezra Klein podcast, and it's called This Conversation Will Change How You Think About Thinking. And it's a long episode. There's a lot being said. We are just going to review the very basic concepts that they're discussing and then kind of take that to how we actually have framed our services and how we see our very own clients and the things that we talk about when it comes to nutrition. So um, Ezra Klein interviews a uh, guest who um, wrote this amazing book called The Extended Mind. Um, her name is Annie Murphy-Paul, and she's an acclaimed scientist, science journalist. And she essentially poses this um, concept. It's really interesting. I think we have heard that our brains are kind of like computers. We have used that analogy many times. I, I think it's sort of everywhere, right? Do you feel like you've heard that before? For sure, yeah. It's kind of the one, one of the most common analogies you do hear when we are referring to brain function. So she... Yeah debunks it really yeah yeah it's uh it's it's fascinating um she says essentially how that analogy really hurts our understanding of how our brain actually functions um i'm going to quote her here and she says our brain is a biological organ in an evolved organ she kind of talks about the context in which the human brain evolved which was essentially outside in nature exploring feeling things, walking, moving your body, and not necessarily as computers have evolved, which have nothing to do with the outside, and it's just complete programming, right? And so the brain in and of itself needs to be understood in the, under those terms and not constantly being compared to a machine, a computer. And so she argues that the body can be, in a sense, more rational than the brain, which is a, a concept to me that just like completely blew my mind because I've, for various reasons, that's not how we think about the brain. But she says that the brain stores patterns of information in our unconscious mind in order to use that information when similar situations arises. And because this information is stored in the unconscious mind, it is the body's job to inform us of that information. Um, they, they talk about this concept called interoception, which is essentially that gut feeling, that's, that sense of like intuition, right? Um, I equate it to the gut feeling of when you know you're kind of might be in a dangerous situation or when you're about to make a decision and you just have that gut feeling that this is the right thing. So that's kind of like your body, in a way, communicating to you, like, oh, we've been here before, or maybe there is something about the information that I'm processing and that I'm feeling like this is the right or wrong decision or whatever. 
um, they talk about a study done by Antonio Damasio, um, where this is, this study is just like crazy. Also, you should really listen to this p- podcast episode just because Ezra Klein has a wonderful way of exploring this book and her mind, just picking her brain. But anyway, they talk about this interesting study where they have these players playing uh, a card game, and essentially they're giving four decks of cards and. There are certain rules, certain numbers where you're supposed to get and sort of win the game. What this study does, essentially, it monitors the player's uh, skin conductance, which is essentially monitoring their nervous system arousal signals. And they're given four decks, and two of them are good and two of them are bad. And the players don't know this. They're just playing this game. And essentially, as they're playing the game, and monitoring their nervous system signals, um, they start to notice that the people, the players, their body signal starts to flare up anytime that they're using the decks that were meant to be bad decks. Decks that are meant to not help their odds in order to win the game. And after the game, the... um, Researchers would ask the player, like, did you know that you had signals sort of flare up when you were about to play from the deck that was essentially not going to uh, give you anything favorable? And they would say no. So their body was giving the signal of, hey, we've been here before. This is not going to help you. Um, Yet they were playing, kind of paying attention to their brain and understanding like, oh, well, this... Maybe that gut feeling is something I don't need to pay attention to um, and, and, and not really pay attention to their body signals. So all, all that to say is the body can really kind of play a really important role when it comes to communicating information um, that we sort of assume it's the brain's job to process. And we're very dismissive of... The communication our body tends to communicate to us. Mm-hmm. And if anyone listening is like, I don't know, this sounds a little out there, like a little woo-woo, a little granola or whatever adjective. Um, if you think about it, like our brains cannot possibly process every piece of information that comes at us on a conscious level. So when we're saying unconscious, like the, this is, this is legit science. Like there are different parts of your brain that are responsible for different functions and you cannot process everything at the same level. If you think about, um, something as simple as like driving to work, like you are not you know, processing the, how many twigs are on like the tree branches in front of you. Um, what is the make and model of every car going by? You know, what is, is someone talking in the car next to you? Like you can't hold all of that information in your head at the same time. So really what we're speaking to is what can your brain process consciously at a given moment? And what are we processing more on a, an unconscious or a subconscious level? Yeah. And I think we tend to think of um, our brain as almost way more superior in processing, uh, or, or, yeah, processing information um, versus your body. Like we think of almost like our bodies 
needs and it feels animalistic. It feels almost like sometimes irrational or kind of like our the way that we are organizing our thoughts, the way that we think about discipline, the way that we think about structure. It's like it's all brain, right? It's, none of it is is body. However, I think that when we kind of lean completely into let's not listen to uh, the communication that our body is signaling towards us and only rely on simply just the mind of the brain in and of itself. In a way, it's we're treating a live, live emotional um, and evolved brain, human brain, into the computer, which is a very limiting way of understanding our own humanity, like the way that we process emotion and the way that we connect to people, I, I think that it's very uh, reductive to think that way. And this is kind of a cool way to understand that there's science beyond that that's not just crunchy, hippie, whatever. It's, it's actually science-based that your body has a wonderful way of taking the information that your brain is processing unconsciously and letting you know, like, hey, you're in danger. Hey, this is uh, the right choice for you. Or, hey, we've been here before. You might be able to make a better decision if you listen to, to me, if you listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Which is super helpful when we can listen to it, which is really what they go into next. Right. Um, so Ezra Klein sort of uh, takes this conversation into understanding productivity. They're going to have an amazing conversation. Again, if you have not heard the Ezra Klein podcast, they should pay me for saying this, but honestly, <laughs> I'm just... I, I, I think he's so talented. I want everyone to listen to his podcast. So then I, ha- I have more friends to talk to about his uh, <laughs> conversations. But, Not just to be um, your husband and our I listeners. know. <laughs> <laughs> All of my close friends to be like, please listen to this so I can talk to you about it. Um, so anyway, Ezra does bring an amazing point um, to say sort of like, okay, there have been times where your body is likely not giving you the best information. He brings up the idea of like whenever you get anxious on a plane, right? Like if you were to listen to your body then it'd be like well, you know, like it it is a pl- it's hard to tell your body like it this is normal, there's just a giant machine that's going to fly you across the country and you're not going to die, right? So sort of like um is there is there a point where listening to that com- communication that your body is trying to uh, let you know, become aware of, is there a point where we shouldn't listen to that and really kind of focus a little bit more on your prefrontal lobe uh, sort of processing of more what we quote unquote logic, right? Um, and this is, this is where the conversation, I think, gets interesting because the author of this book, she sort of encourages people to keep it in what she calls an interoceptive journal, which is essentially uh, sort of a pattern of I've been here before or like maybe if I'm about to make a decision, trying to connect with how your body is feeling and how you're thinking about it and then kind of go back in time and say like, it, was that a good choice? Was that a success? Um 
sort of understand maybe where your body steers you in the right direction in certain situations and where it might steer you in the wrong direction in different situations. And she's sort of just making the case for awareness. Just learn. It, 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 she also poses this, this idea that this is a learned skill, right? To connect enough with your body to know well enough to when it's a good time to listen and when it is not. And I think this is the part where I'm just like, my brain just whoosh, it just gets shot into the universe of <laughs> nutrition. <laughs> and I spend 48 hours just thinking about this. Because um, it is difficult for us to think of, of a lot of topics uh, without sort of going to absolutes. With nutrition in particular, we think of one food being the superfood that I need to eat every day so it cures all my illnesses, right? It's like, it's blueberries and they're going to cure everything or it's avocado, whatever it may be. Um, and we know as practitioners that it, this a lot of foods work together in, uh, synergistically to make patterns of reactions that eventually will help with whatever it is happening in your system to prevent disease, to help whatever. I can go on. And I, and I think what's amazing about this point is to sort of connect what we heavily lean on, um, which is our brain and our ability to process information in a quote-unquote logic or with more logic, um, and, and also, but also pay attention to what our body is telling us. And uh, Kelly and I, when we started New Triving, we really had had big ideas about intuitive eating and just how much we sort of really understood that to be true. Uh, the tuning inward, the listening inward and li listening to our body to make better choices and have a better relationship with food and, and how all of this connects so well because we are using our brain, but we are also using the wisdom of our body to have a better uh, relationship with food, to have better metabolism, to have better nourishment, to have better patterns of healthy behavior. And uh, to me, this is uh, it's a pretty amazing concept. Mm -hmm. And Kat and I leaned very heavily into, so what we are referencing is Intuitive Eating, which is a wonderful book and really a frame of, you know, thinking about nutrition and talking with clients. And so we've mentioned this before on other podcast episodes, but just so you know what we're referring to, Intuitive Eating is um, established by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. And so the book, I think, is on the fourth edition. At least that's the one I have. Um, and really, for those who are not familiar, intuitive eating is based on 10 principles. And essentially, all of them, I, I have the book open. You, you may be able to hear me turning pages here because I want, like, it's so connected to this podcast episode and exactly what we've been talking about. So it actually talks about interoceptive awareness as the ability to perceive. Can you tell how nerdy we are? I just suddenly feel <laughs> so aware <laughs> of my nerd level, which I'm fine with. Like, 
not a big deal. <laughs> I just I profess my profound love for Ezra Klein here. I there's no turning and back. And here I am with I, a textbook. Yeah, you know, but we have wine, so yeah, there's balance. We're still a little cool. We're a little cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the book though. So interoceptive awareness is defined by Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Rush as the ability to perceive physical sensations that arise from within your body. So exactly what this entire podcast episode talked about. And essentially the all 10 principles are organized around some of them work to improve our interoceptive awareness and the other half essentially of the the principles work to remove obstacles to interoceptive awareness. And so these things are so intricately tied together, like this episode and intuitive eating and really what Kat and I do with our clients, you know, in the one-on-one setting and soon to be in the group program as well, because often what happens, like we've talked about, you know, how many of our clients and likely listeners too have tried so many different diets in the past and, you know, listened to different pieces of advice from, you know, physicians or news segments or social media. Like so many people are trying to piece together information to figure out what is best for them. And so if you're Mm -hmm. listening to this and you're like, yeah, that's me, of course, like, why would I not want to look for information? And looking for information is wonderful, but what it misses is that Truly, the best source of information comes from your body. And we've talked many times in other episodes before about when you rely so heavily on external cues, for example, meal plans, or, you know, like I just mentioned, advice from various sources, you are putting the onus on the external environment. And that over time can really distance ourselves from the internal environment. So these body sensations that we're talking about, and often it gets to a point where you just, you don't even know how to tune inward to that. Like you consciously, you're not sure how to get there because you have not practiced that in so long. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that in most nutrition interventions out there, the common ones, um, what you will find is rigid meal plans with very specific rules as to what, when, how to eat, and little to no room for interoception or even individual taste or preference. And I think that if if we, there might be a route there where we're sort of being communicated that our what our body is communicating is something not to be trusted. Um, it, it is something we've talked about before. And also I've made some social media posts about this um, because I think that that's really what a lot of people come to us and they are like, oh, don't ask me what I want or what I feel or what, it, you know, you can't trust. I can't trust myself. We get a lot of this sort of notion of like people thinking that, um, their whatever their body is communicating to them is something that is inherently um, bad. Maybe something that might be unruly or um, not really not to be trusted. If we think about uh, more most exercise or healthy habits that um, are sort of posed to people 
to to for them to be encouraged to to kind of add to their routine or whatever um is posed in a way of of discipline like oh you just you need to be motivated you need to um be able to put yourself in the uh, in the in the position where you're just thinking about the goal like forget about how you feel um in a lot of these outcomes if somebody is having negative outcomes let's say they haven't exercised or they haven't been eating uh nutrient dense foods or whatnot we think of them as people that are maybe they lack discipline they're not really uh, motivated they're lazy um and and to me I, I was thinking about this it it strikes me as a very like brain is a computer kind of concept because um you and I work with wonderful clients and I would say that they lack motivation to to describe them as they lack motivation would be widely wrong like widely mm-hmm. erroneous completely right? like, off base yeah <laughs> like these people have uh, good jobs that they had to really work hard towards. They are people who, some of them are caregivers who um, it takes patience and time and stick to in order to get, you know, their their day completed and all their, their list checked off and, and everything. So I, I don't believe that laziness or lack of discipline is really a way to describe most people in their relationship to food. Um, I just, I think that we need to challenge the, the part where we forget about our bodies and just only think of food as like a, as as like a discipline, like a brain is my computer. I need to eat celery. We need to get that done because at the end of the day, that doesn't work at the long term because our, our brain and our body are living organs. They're social organs or emotional organs. These things work together um, to create habits that stick for a long period of time. I mean, this isn't something, we're not computers. You can't feed us data and us have the same outcomes all the time. Um, So you can't tell us to eat bland celery and us be really happy about it and then keep doing that for the rest of our lives and feel completely a-okay with that. I mean, maybe some people, but... I guess what I'm trying to say is we can't treat food and healthy behaviors relating to food as if we were machines and our bodies and brains were computers um, because that is not the reality. Right. Because a computer, and this is what they touch on in the Azra Klein episode, a computer does a function the same way every time, no matter what is going on with it? If the computer, you know, changes locations, if it's been working all day, like assuming you have, you know, a properly functioning computer, if it's been working for all day, it's going to do the same function no matter what. Whereas humans, you know, we are affected by so many things. Like think about how you feel, say you're approaching a work day, you start out the work day, you have more energy, maybe you're able to focus a little bit longer at the end of the day, it probably doesn't look like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Or if you, you know, have a stressful meeting, like how you think about food and nutrition and many things in life is going to be affected by the things that happen to you throughout the day. So we certainly are so far from computers. Like we do not respond the same in different settings. 
and and that's really the basis of why that analogy doesn't doesn't make sense, right? We are we are not computers, and when it comes to nutrition and exercise, it is so much more complex than that. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't, like if it truly was as straightforward as that, I mean, you and I like would not have jobs, right? Yeah. And not that we want people to struggle with this, but the the nature is that that we are all humans and we are complex and these issues are complex and there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah. I, and you know, I I think to you like when we when we tell our clients like we want you to listen to your body, we want you to know when you're hungry and pay attention to that. We want you to know when you're full and and sort of stop eating so that you don't feel ill afterwards. We want you to be able to tune inward and say like oh, this would feel good right now or whatever. Um, What I get met on the other side is this terrified person who's like, you have no idea. If I listen to my body, I'm only going to eat cookies and pizza. If I listen to my body, I will literally never exercise. And the truth is, I I think that's sort of that internalized, like we are just lazy people and we're just like have no interest in self-improvement when it comes to health. And I I think it's so ridiculous because it's not the truth. If we truly listen to our bodies, there is a point where your body will communicate to you that you need to consume something other than sugar. It, It You start getting that film across your tongue where you're like oh my god I've eaten too much cookie dough like I feel sick to my stomach there is a point where your body will let you know and if you're not accustomed to listen to your body it'll be on that last little bit where your body has probably been telling you for a while like oh my god please stop and then you're like geez my head hurts now I need a glass of water not a glass of sugary soda or more sugar I just I need some water and I need some I need please I'm going to remove myself from this cookie dough situation because I don't feel well your body can communicate that to you early enough where you can enjoy and not feel ill I think it's the same when we think of if I listen to my body I will never exercise I, I think that's kind of a lie because if you've had those lazy days where you're just sitting on the couch for long periods of time, your muscles will hurt. And be like, ugh, I, I, I feel kind of stiff. Uh, my neck hurts. My back hurts. My butt feels flat. I should probably go for a walk. Or I should honor this moment and I feel like I have some reserved energy to do some physical activity. Sure, it might take some, some practice, some motivation, some sort of, I want to be able to do something that makes me feel good in my body and engage in more structured physical activity. But that that's the point that I'm trying to make is it's discounting the communication that your body gives you all together because you distrust it is probably just as wrong as only relying on your brain to tell you how you need to li- live your life and completely override whatever you're feeling. Um, connecting to your body also means connecting to maybe how tired you are. Maybe how exhausted uh, this past year has been. Uh, maybe it'll help you connect with um, how eating something sugary with friends and family is really exactly what you need right now in order to find some comfort or some social support. That, that to me, is much more powerful in the world of nutrition and health than either side of 
fully functioning brain versus body kind of a mentality. Yeah, totally. And if we think about those sentiments that you were mentioning, like if I listen to my body, I am just going to pig out on cookies and pizza and cake, etc. Often those statements are coming after someone has already been dieting for decades or years. And so they are coming from a place of restriction and they're thinking that, oh, if I you know, if I really let myself do what I want and I listen to my body, this is going to happen. And it's like, well, no, because you you haven't been giving yourself the chance to listen to your body because you have been following these external guides, you know, different diets that tell you to limit a, to, you know, half a cup of rice and all these crazy things. And so you don't, you don't even have practice listening to your body, which is no fault of your own, but you really have to work on that practice in order to tap into like what you would crave or what sounds good in, in a certain, you know, moment of your day. Right. And that is exactly what Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Rush are sort of proposing in this intuitive eating in, in their book and in just the 10 principles that they lay out is exactly that is giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. I've, I've mentioned this, this unconditional permission to eat to clients before and their faces. It's, it's just sheer terror. It's like, mm -hmm. that is the most terrifying thing I could possibly say. And it, it is insane to me um, to think that relying on your body's intuition is such a terrifying concept for so many people um, because we've been told for so long that relying on your body's intuition is essentially reverting back to this animalistic I have no control or um, almost like no there's there's nothing good there there's there's absolutely nothing good I'm just gonna revert back to the worst version of myself when it comes to mm -hmm. eating and I don't believe that's true. No. And if we were to just let that go, the testing might be a little interesting, right, initially. Especially, like you said, if there's been a history of pattern of crazy restriction. Just like with anything, I think if we were to go from extreme restriction to unconditional permission... Um, let's say you've been thinking about donuts for a decade and now I'm telling you unconditional permission to eat, yet you're going to overeat on those donuts. It's going to happen. But there is a, there's a point where that becomes less of a fear. You're not afraid that I'm going to take your donuts away. You're not afraid that you're never going to have them anymore. Um, this is exactly what you can find on this intuitive eating book, by the way. Um, and so you you give in. And then you feel free to stop whenever you have satisfied that craving and you can go back to uh, patterns of eating that make you feel more energized, that make you feel happy, that uh, hit the spot, that you kind of understand maybe with gentle nutrition, how some principles in nutrition can help your overall health. Uh, it's a wonderful place to, to live and to think about food. Versus the, I cannot trust myself. I cannot have unconditional permission to eat. My brain has to tell me exactly how I need to behave. And that overrides mm. everything. Yeah. Or someone else. I want someone else to tell me exactly what to do. Yeah. But if you think about it, if you were to tell me, Kat, 
you have to eat three carrots and a quarter cup of rice every day to achieve um, ultimate Cindy Crawford level of hotness. Um, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that information and that and it's going to be my brain is going to tell me you're not hungry for anything else. You're just going to eat those three carrots and that quarter cup of rice because Kelly told you to do it and like forget how you feel. I mean, and then so then I'm like, brain, 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 brain. And my body is like, what the hell are you doing to me? You know? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could go on and on and on about this episode, but we hope you found this interesting. If this sounds like it's up your alley, definitely give this Ezra Klein podcast a listen. Um, Kat, we are just going to start. We always like to kind of leave our listeners with, you know, some action tips or something that's very uh, practical and applicable to your life. So we just wanted to wrap up this conversation with a few tips to kind of practice this interoceptive awareness, especially if it's very new to you. Yeah. So I think one way to start this, and I think this applies to not just nutrition, but overall, if you're trying to tune inward and uh, listen to your body, we can listen to what Annie Murphy Paul says about the interception, inter, interoceptive journal, where you kind of find yourself listening a little bit, doing a body scan of how you're feeling. Um, you, we can do this related to food. If that's an area where you feel like, oh gosh, I've not been listening to my body. I've been dieting for a while and this is new. Um, this also applies to just other decisions and things like that. But I, I think just in general, having that like body scan, understanding what your body might be telling you or like that gut feeling that you have and writing it down and then eventually being able to go back and see, you know, it it, was my body steering me in the right direction. And is there a context where I can kind of trust that a little bit more versus just leaning on what I think it's more of my prefrontal cortex, critical thinking brain is telling me to do. Um, And I think that's a a great place to start. I felt Mm -hmm. challenged myself to do that. um, Because, and, and this has nothing to do with tips, but I think I kind of grew up believing that my inner intuition was something to not trust, like to distrust in a profound way. Um, If I can equate it to something, and this, I'm getting off topic here, but hey, whatever. (laughs) Confessions. They're no Um, rules. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I understood really that from, from the Adam and Eve story, you know? Eve wanted to learn more and she fucked it all up. And I feel sometimes that my inner intuition is something to be afraid of, to sort of not trust and trust on somebody else's opinion of what I need to do or not do. Um, Even when I've been in positions of actual danger and my body is telling me like, what the fuck are you doing? And then my brain's like, listen, let's take this logically. He's just a guy and it's just whatever. And like, you're being ridiculous. You know, um, I can, I can see how this body intuition, this gut feeling, this communication is part of the, of the whole picture. It's not, it's not all of it, but it's not nothing. Right. And so kind of leaning into that a little bit more of like 
this is critical information for all of us. Your body telling you how you feel is critical information to understand it all. It may not seem like it because it's unconscious, but it's it's important. So maybe a journal is the way you do it. Maybe you start with just body scans, um, trying to see how you how you feel in a specific situation, especially related to food, may be a good place to start. That is deep. I did not expect us to go to Adam and Eve. <laughs> but I agree with your point. I, I mean, I, I'm <laughs> sorry, not into sorry, the sorry. Adam and Eve. I haven't learned about that as much. We have different upbringings in that sense. But her suggestion for a journal, I don't know if this is just part of, you know, getting into your mid thirties, but my back is killing me as of late. And she talked a lot about the body scan exercise. And as soon as she said that, I was like, holy shit, like my shoulders, my upper back is so tense pretty much all the time now. So that's just like, those are the types of things, you know, if you just take a moment to really scan your body and which essentially just means focus, you know, really put your awareness, your entire awareness on different parts of your body sequentially. If you think about it, you're pausing all other activities just to spend a few minutes doing that. And that allows you to really like feel, you know, what is your body feeling? Because so many times we are, you know, you're working, you're taking care of kids, you, there's a TV on, you're talking on the phone. Like there are so many things going on that, it's really hard to do that if you're not kind of taking that time out. So yes, journal, great idea. Um, maybe that can help me eventually with my <laughs> back issues. Um, another tip, just the last one we want to leave with you today. Next time you are sitting down to eat, go ahead and give yourself a moment. Just take a pause to really tune inward and see what you feel from your body. So is your stomach rumbling? Are you salivating? Does your stomach feel empty, like you have just like a, a hole in it? Or do you feel neutral, like maybe you are not that hungry? And this same practice can be done after you're eating, really reflecting on what feedback is your body giving you, what sensations are coming up. And, and this is certainly a practice. Like if you do this the first time and you're like, fuck, like, I don't know what to say. Like, I have no idea what my body's saying. So don't be discouraged by that. If you are completely new to this, it does take time. Again, it's a practice, but these, you know, hopefully are, are good steps to start with. Um, and this is certainly something we talk about with our clients very often, mm -hmm. um, with our group program we are working on right now. There are a lot of concepts related to what we've talked about today as well, this interoceptive awareness and really learning how to tune inwards and start trusting your body and using that to make your eating decisions. So if you're liking this, if you're like, I'm into these girls, like I like what they're putting down, you can check us out at our website, which is newtriving.com. We have a bunch of resources. We have information about all of our services outlined as well. And then one little favor we'll just leave you with. If you like this podcast, um, we would love if you could leave a review. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but we're, you know we are a newer podcast, so it really helps us to reach more people who might be interested in our podcast. So that is our request to you. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we can't wait to catch you next time. See you next week. Bye. Bye.